Hello, I'm Adam Pelshay, and you're listening to Off the Shelf, Windsor Public Library's weekly broadcast discussing books, culture, and what's happening in the world of public libraries. On today's episode, we talk about the end of an era for the Village Voice, discuss upcoming Indigenous programming at the library, and talk about books about libraries. The powerful rainstorm that hit Windsor on Tuesday impacted city infrastructure and residential homes. Flooding throughout the city and county resulted in damages to homes, places of business, and public services. Due to damage caused by floodwaters, the Riverside and Budimir locations of the Windsor Public Library were closed to the public from Wednesday, August 30th through Friday, September 1st. While these locations are set to reopen on Saturday, September 2nd, these hours are liable to change. Certain programs and services may also be affected due to consequences of flood damage. For more information on library closures and programming changes, please visit our website, www.windsorpubliclibrary.com, for up-to-date announcements and information. More than just another newspaper, the American publication The Village Voice has been an institution of New York culture and arts for decades. Founded in 1955, The Village Voice began as a weekly release, arguably America's first alternative newsweekly, which highlighted the creative community in New York City and across the country. The weekly's founding members included the late Pulitzer Prize-winning author and journalist Norman Mailer, Dan Wolf, John Wilcock, and Ed Francher. More than just a platform directing people towards the latest trends and hippest artists in the country, this alternative weekly provided probing insight into domestic political and cultural issues affecting the city and the country. This periodical has received three Pulitzer Prizes, the National Press Foundation Award and the George Polk Award. During its 61-year run, the Village Voice has published articles contributed from a number of high-profile writers, amongst them poets like Ezra Pound and Allen Ginsberg, esteemed novelists like Henry Miller and James Baldwin, notable music critics like Lester Bangs, and famous cartoonists like Robert Crumb, and the creator of The Simpsons, Matt Groening. Needless to say, the Village Voice has helped launch the career of many high-profile writers and journalists. As iconic as this publication has become during its 61-year run, even the most seminal of periodicals are not immune to the financial hardships imposed by the burgeoning industry of online media. While a Village Voice will continue publication, it will no longer be released in a print edition. Village Voice owner Peter Barbe announced that his decision was due to the financial struggles of keeping a print edition in publication. While the Voice will persevere to establish a presence online, this acts as an end of an era wherein America's oldest and most influential alt-weekly will no longer be available for free distribution to its community. This transition does have an interest for libraries, as these institutions also find themselves taking the leap from physical to digital items in their collections. While these digital items allow more people than ever before access to collections and services, there is a trade-off. Library users must own a tablet, laptop, or another digital device in order to access this information. 
for those people who don't have the financial luxury to purchase these high-priced digital gadgets, the consequence is that items in these collections remain inaccessible for these particular community members. Being that library services are meant to help generate equitable access to information for our community, and that people in lower economic classes tend to make up those who most rely upon library services, this is an issue our institutions will need to figure out how to navigate. Luckily, you won't need to own your own computer or a tablet for WPL to help you access new digital formats of magazines like The Village Voice. Visit any one of our locations to use our public computer terminals to read and catch up on the latest journalism in this and any other publication that is featured online. While bridging the digital divide is an issue librarians are figuring out how to navigate, there are other areas to consider in creating an innovative and effective 21st century library. In a recent article published for the Knight Foundation, Laura Sue Wilansky articulated five ways in which libraries can strive to be innovative in the modern world. Chief amongst these ideas was emphasizing the fact that people need libraries for more than just information, and that libraries can act as more than just information repositories. As any parent who visits a library with their child can attest, libraries can also act as playgrounds for children and as a venue to socialize with other families. Libraries can also be hubs for social services. For example, the Windsor Public Library hosts the Library Settlement Partnership in coordination with the new Canadian Centre for Excellence. This program offers information and referral services, translation and interpretation services, and cultural programming for new Canadians and their families. This popular program offers a valuable service to new Canadians, landed immigrants, and refugees. To find out more about these services, you can contact a representative of the Library Settlement Partnership at 519-258-4076 extension 1402. Information about these services can also be accessed from their website at www.nccinc.org. Another way in which libraries can strive to be innovative is in preserving and strengthening democracy. Libraries act as civic hubs for information and engagement, encouraging people to get involved in their communities and to connect with local social and political issues. Libraries are inherently democratic institutions, providing resources for equitable access to information from a diverse range of perspectives. Other points from Wilansky's article include emphasizing constructive ways for librarians to perceive and interact with the public, embracing collaboration with outside organizations, and acknowledging the role libraries can play in revitalizing and sustaining communities. To this last point, Wolanski states that libraries offer a place where people of different backgrounds and income levels can meet and connect. They can draw people out of their homes and into public spaces, advancing interaction and collaboration of all kinds. This goes to show that not all innovation comes from new tech and gadgets, but through unique and relevant programming, community participation, and by actively engaging with the needs of library users. One way in which the Windsor Public Library will be striving for innovation and relevancy is in its new adopted four-point plan to better service Indigenous communities. In 2015, 
the Truth and Reconciliation Commission released a report asking government and Canadian institutions to redress the legacy of residential schools. This redress would be approached by adopting 94 calls to action proposed in the Commission's report. This idea was echoed by the Canadian Federation of Library Associations, which established its own committee to determine how libraries can play a role in public education about Indigenous issues. To meet this mandate, Windsor Public Library is adopting a plan meant to incorporate more Indigenous content into its programming and collections, improving access to Indigenous resources, and in strengthening staff understanding and respect of Indigenous peoples and their communities. To this end, the library is allocating part of its $11,464 discard reserve fund to buy resources by and about Indigenous peoples. Other steps to be adopted in this four-point plan will be to host programming and events for Indigenous Month in June, and by training staff on various Indigenous resources. The Windsor Public Library Board approved this plan during their August 24th meeting. For detailed board reports and statistics about the library, these can be read at your local branch of the Windsor Public Library System. While libraries are known to host large collections of books, very seldom do libraries become the subject of them. In the library, a catalog of wonders by Stuart Kells, the author unpacks some of the most intriguing and remarkable discoveries found in libraries across the world. The author spent years traveling across the globe, visiting famous and notable libraries across the world. During his travels, Kells encountered all sort of rare collections and finds, including librarians searching for some unexpected resources. For instance, blood. Kells discovered that DNA testing is being used in certain libraries to confirm authorship of manuscripts from the likes of Henry Neville, Francis Bacon, and even William Shakespeare. In addition to finding biological evidence that these authors handled these manuscripts, DNA testing is also being used to test books in France to see which books were bound in aristocratic leather, a term describing when skin from guillotined prisoners was used to bind books. During the course of his journeys, Cowles did research on less morbid subjects. He researched exceedingly rare books found in unexpected places, like The Secret History, a book which revealed the depraved life of the Emperor Justinian and his wife Theodora, which was found in the Vatican. Stuart Kells' The Library, a catalog of wonders, won't be released in North America until next year, but there are plenty of books available right now for you to read that reveal the remarkable and unusual side of libraries. The following is a list of five books you can currently borrow from the Windsor Public Library that are about, of course, libraries. Makita Brockman tackled what some may consider an unconventional library in her 2016 book, The Maximum Security Book Club. Subtitled Reading Literature in a Men's Prison, this book explores Brockman's account of reading literature with criminals in a maximum security prison in Baltimore. Exploring the effect prison libraries have on the lives of inmates, Brockman recounts how the book club members reacted to classics like Heart of Darkness, and Lolita, and how discussing literature allowed them to open up about their personal lives, families, and the choices they made 
that led them into incarceration. If reading about how libraries affect prisoners isn't your thing, John G. Palfrey writes about the broader importance of libraries in the digital information era. Bibliotech, why libraries matter more than ever in the age of Google, argues that in the process of modernizing the world, corporatized information technology creates inequalities in our world. More people have access to a greater amount of information than at any other point in history, but lack the education and resources to properly digest, analyze, and use this information. Palfrey contends that libraries can become bulwarks against the creeping problems of our times, unequal access to education, jobs, and information. Bibliotech offers an optimistic view of the contributions libraries are making in the age of social media and digital information. For something a bit more humorous, readers are encouraged to check out I Work at a Public Library, a collection of crazy stories from the stacks. In this collection by Gina Sheridan, the author collects dozens of true-life testimonials of the oddest encounters by library employees across the nation. A few choice cases include a patron reporting a missing wetsuit, donations of uncooked poultry, and a user wanting to send an email to everyone on the internet. This fun and cheeky read reveals the hilarious and unusual side of public libraries. For something a bit more serious, readers may want to check out The Library at Night by Alberto Manguel. Inspired by the author's own project of building a library in his home, Manguel explores the subject of libraries and what they mean both in culture and in the process of assigning order to a chaotic world. The book ranges from ancient libraries in Greece and Egypt to the miasma of online information. An engaging and thought-provoking read, this book examines the value and cultural currency libraries have in societies throughout time, and contemplates what the library of the future may resemble. Finally, for those who want to read about the incredible contributions librarians have made in the world, I encourage you to read Joshua Hammer's The Badass Librarians of Timbuktu and Their Race to Save the World's Most Precious Manuscripts. Part history lesson, part Indiana Jones-style adventure, this book recounts the story of a group of Timbuktu librarians who plan to smuggle their city's great collection of rare manuscripts from the threat of destruction by Al-Qaeda militants. Both inspiring and suspenseful, this book shows the lengths to which librarians can go to preserve information and rare books, and shows how these bastions of information can be more daring than simply shushing noisy people in the library. You can borrow any one of these reads from the Windsor Public Library. The Center for Fiction has announced its shortlist for its annual First Novel Prize. Awarded since 2006, this prize is given to the best first-time English-language work by a U.S. novelist. Previous winners have included such notable novels as The Sympathizer by Viet Than Nguyen and The Brief and Wondrous Life of Oscar Wao by Wanat Diaz. This year's shortlist is composed of seven novels, As Lies to Grin by Simeon Marcellus, Empire of Glass by Caitlin Solomine, Mikhail and Margarita by Julie Lextrom-Himes, The Second Mrs. Hockaday 
by Susan Rivers, Spaceman of Bohemia by Yaroslav Kaflar, Tiger Pelt by Annabelle Kim, and What to Do About the Solomons by Bethany Ball. While the winner will not be announced until December 5th, you can check out select books from the first novel prize shortlist at the Windsor Public Library. On Wednesday, August 30th, it was announced that the Giller Prize-winning author, David Adams Richards, would be called to Senate. Richards is Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's 29th pick for the Red Chamber, representing New Brunswick. In addition to being co-awarded the Giller Prize for Mercy Among Children, he was also awarded the Governor General's Award in both fiction and nonfiction, and a pair of Gemini Awards for script writing. Richards is a vocal advocate of the arts. He urged candidates in the 2010 New Brunswick provincial election to increase financial support to this field. In an op-ed published by CBC, he stated that writers and artists are the only ones who can tell the truth about us, and there is a terrible and essential and poignant reason why we must seek to tell this truth. In telling the truth about ourselves, we alone can give justice to our people and our province to the work that we do, and the lives that we live. The Prime Minister stated in his announcement of the author being named to Senate, I am extremely, extremely proud to have Mr. Richards to serve in the Senate of Canada. He is someone who is well known to us as a novelist, an essayist, a poet, who has done an extraordinary job of telling the stories of the Miramichi River Valley of New Brunswick, and indeed of Canada, to Canadians and the world. His dedication to the arts, his love of place and country, will be an extraordinary asset to the independent thinkers in the Senate. Congratulations to David Adams Richards on his appointment to Senate. His books including Mercy Among the Children, For Those Who Hunt the Wounded Down, and God Is, can be borrowed from the Windsor Public Library. This week, Detroit will be hosting its annual Jazz Festival. Running from September 1st through September 4th, this concert event will have multiple stages featuring jazz's greatest contemporary performers. Come and see established legends like Wayne Shorter and Herbie Hancock, and incredible contemporaries like Vijay Eiler and Kasami Washington. If you can't make it to the festivities this weekend, Windsor Public Library hosts a large collection of jazz CDs and biographies on iconic musicians from the genre. Check out the music collection at WPL and the Detroit Jazz Festival for great jazz. For more information about the Windsor Public Library, our programs, and services, please visit our website at www.windsorpubliclibrary.com. You have been listening to Off the Shelf, the Windsor Public Library's weekly broadcast discussing books, culture, and what's happening in the world of public libraries. If you have a comment or question about today's episode, please forward those to offtheshelf at windsorpubliclibrary.com. To check out past episodes, visit our SoundCloud page at www.soundcloud.com slash WPL off the shelf.